care, but America is dying. I don't see no love nowhere. But we got people in the streets freezing while they sleep. Two new studies. One of them, a massive study of 10 million people in Wuhan, China, found that the rate of COVID-19 infection spread by people who were asymptomatic was virtually zero. In other words, asymptomatic transmission of COVID-19 did not occur at all. Only 300 asymptomatic cases in the study of nearly 10 million were discovered and not one of those tested positive for COVID-19, thus determining, undermining the need for lockdowns, which are built on the premise of the virus being unwittingly spread by infectious asymptomatic people. Asymptomatic transmission has been the underlying justification of the lockdowns enforced all across the world. The most recent guidance from the Centers for Disease Control still states that the virus, quote, can be spread by people who do not have symptoms, unquote. In fact, the CDC claimed that asymptomatic people, quote, are estimated to account for more than 50% of transmissions, unquote, only to discover that once again, the CDC has lied. So get this. They did contact tracing of those 300 asymptomatic people. And guess what they found? Not one case of COVID-19 was detected in any of them. Ages of those found to be asymptomatic ranged between 10 and 89 years old. The study also made the realization that due to the weakening of the virus itself, quote, newly infected persons were more likely to be asymptomatic and with a lower viral load than earlier infected cases, unquote. The conservative treehouse and European medical studies have noted, quote, all of the current lockdown regulations, mask wearing requirements, and social distancing rules and decrees are based on a complete fallacy of false assumptions, unquote. Yet the media reports have virtually non-existent and ignored a fact that was explained, quote, the lockdown lobby ignores whatever contradicts their narrative, preferring unverified antidotes over an actual scientific study of 10 million residents in one of the world's first major hotspots for the disease we are trying to manage, unquote. You know, one would think that this study would be cause for celebration. It suggests that the government can take its foot off of people's throats and stop insisting that all life grind to a halt, even if people do not feel sick and are not in the worst vulnerable groups that are affected, but it won't. Blue state and city leaders are too enthralled to the power that it's given them. I also strongly suspect that a lot of people have become so invested in signaling their anti-virus virtue that they will not stop wearing masks even on deserted beaches even after everyone is mandatorily vaccinated and the virus dies out completely. The Biden crime family's friends in the communist government of China have punished eight whistleblowers for trying to tell the truth to the world about the coronavirus that they, not Donald Trump, unleashed on the world. The latest is a journalist sentenced to four years in prison, forget this, quote, for picking quarrels and provoking trouble, unquote, which basically is translated 
for telling the truth about China's virus's cover-up on the Internet. Dr. Anthony Fauci admitted to misleading Americans about the coronavirus because, to quote Jack Nicholson, you cannot handle the truth. I think that it would have been much easier to handle the truth than to handle the deadly mismanagement of this disease by various government figures. And no, I'm not referring to President Trump, who has yet to be thanked by the leftist media for the vaccine that they said would be impossible to create so quickly. Senator Marco Rubio called out Fauci for lying while Washington, D.C. has declared Christmas Eve to be Dr. Anthony Fauci Day. And I can see why. If he is really an unelected bureaucrat who gets people to obey by willingly misleading them, then he would be treated as a hero in Washington, D.C. One reason it is hard to know what is correct, what is the correct thing to do to prevent the virus or who's lying or who is just honestly incorrect is that we keep getting so many mixed messages. For instance, one study shows that wearing masks would have done the most to stop the disease. But another major study is of the contiguous and border-touching counties in East Tennessee found that between October 1st and December 22nd, those with mask mandates saw 5% of their populations test positive for COVID-19. While those with no mask mandates had an infection rate of 2.3%. And this backs up similar studies questioning the efficacy of mask mandates in Florida and nationwide. So were the experts lying when they told us that masks did not work, as Dr. Fauci admitted? Or when they told us that masks did work? Or did they not even know themselves? And do they not really even know now? So many crises happened in 2020 that the insane democratic policy of sanctuary cities and states fell out of the headlines, but has not been forgotten by the victims of crimes committed by illegal alien criminals shielded by deportation by liberal politicians. The latest outrage is an illegal immigrant convicted of second-degree murder of a child in 1999 was released from prison in California. And instead of being handed over to ICE for deportation, he was released onto the streets. Fortunately, ICE quickly found him and deported him. Only by using tax money and resources that would not have been wasted if California had complied with federal law and handed him over to ICE in the first place. Which bears the question, how many other illegal immigrants convicted of crimes have been released onto the streets that we do not know about? So before you fall for the idea that ICE is only deporting innocent dreamers. Here's who they arrested in fiscal 2019. They arrested individuals with more than 1,900 convictions and charges of homicide. They arrested 1,800 for kidnapping, 12,000 for sexual offenses, 5,000 sexual assaults. 45,000 assaults, 67,000 crimes involving drugs, 10,000 weapons offenses, and 74,000 DUIs. Now, if liberal politicians and judges want to protect people with those records, then they should have let them move into their guest rooms in their own homes rather than hiding from their consequences 
of their actions behind armed guards and inside gated communities. I think that would end sanctuary policies for criminals overnight. What do you think? And now we have the terrifying possibility of the Biden crime family taking up residence in our White House and ruling over our nation forever. And you say, Kate, you're overreacting. Am I? Prove me wrong. Not with mere words or conjecture of your bullcrap. Prove me wrong with hard facts. So here, let me put my money where my mouth is and allow me to show you some facts that you may or may not be aware of. Joe Biden has admitted that this will be the last election for any Republican. Joe Biden has admitted that he will raise American taxes to 70% of our wages. Joe Biden is a known pedophile and endorses human trafficking. Joe Biden has admitted to crimes against humanity. Joe Biden has admitted to murder. Joe Biden has admitted that he cannot be stopped and his illegal activity will continue. These are from his own words, his own mouth. Prove me wrong. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Around the Campfire with Kate. The introduction song is by Jeremy Harrell and David Bray, entitled America is dying, but it is not too late. Go on over to YouTube and check out Dave Bray's patriotic songs. You will not be disappointed. In the age of technology, it is easy to sit ourselves behind a keyboard and pledge promises of kick-ass words of patriotism. Some contend to be former special forces or SEAL team or the best of the best in military black ops in the prime of your youth that is so where are you now I watched a movie called The Patriot with Mel Gibson he plays the character of Benjamin Martin that I'm sure that a lot of us can relate to Martin's plight of I've already already seen war I've already fought in war War takes a part of your soul, and there's no returning to who you were before you were sent off to war. Listen to the words of this clip from that movie that is about to play. Listen carefully. Remember, this is a live call-in show through Skype only. So if you want to share an idea, suggestion, or comment of your own, Please feel free to call in using Skype through PSN Radio. If you miss a live broadcast, you can find me on SoundCloud, iHeart, Twitch, Spotify, Facebook Live through PSN, YouTube Live through PSN, and where other great podcasts are aired. You all know why I'm here. I'm not an orator. And I would not try to convince you of the worthiness of our cause. I'm a soldier. And we are at war. From Philadelphia, we expect a declaration of independence. Eight of the 13 colonies have levied money in support of a continental army. I ask that South Carolina be the ninth. Massachusetts and Virginia may be at war, but South Carolina is not. This is not a war for the independence of one or two colonies but for the independence of one nation. And, uh, yes, what nation is that? An American nation! There is no such nation, and to speak of one is treason. We are citizens of an American nation, and our rights are being threatened by a tyrant 3,000 miles away. Would you tell me, please, Mr. Howard, why should I trade one tyrant 3,000 miles away for 3,000 tyrants one mile away? An elected legislature can trample a man's rights as easily as a king can. (laughs) Captain Martin, 
I understood you to be patriot. If you mean by patriot, am I angry about taxation without representation? Well, yes, I am. Should the American colonies govern themselves independently? I believe they can, and they should. But if you're asking me, am I willing to go to war with England? Well, then the answer is most definitely no. This from the same Captain Benjamin Martin, whose fury was so famous during the wilderness campaign? I was intemperate in my youth. Temperance can be a convenient disguise for fear. Mr. Middleton, I fought with Captain Martin under Washington in the French and Indian War. There's not a man in this room, or anywhere for that matter, to whom I would more willingly trust my life. Here, here. There are alternatives to war. We take our case before the king. We plead with him. Yes, we've tried that. Well, then we try again and again, if necessary, to avoid a war. Benjamin, I was at Bunker Hill. The British advanced three times, and we killed over 700 of them at point-blank range, and still they took the ground. That is the measure of their resolve. If your principles dictate independence, then war is the only way. It has come to that. I have seven children. My wife is dead. Now, who's to care for them if I go to war? Wars are not fought only by childless men. Granted. But mark my words. This war will be fought not on the frontier or on some distant battlefield, but amongst us, among our homes. Our children will learn of it with their own eyes. And the innocent will die with the rest of us. I will not fight. Because I will not fight, I will not cast a vote that will send others to fight in my stead. And your principles. I'm a parent. I haven't got the luxury of principles. We are at war. This is not a war for one or two states. This is a war for our nation as a whole, as it was back in the 1770s in our fight for our freedom in the First Revolutionary War. History is repeating itself. Only now we live in a country of cowards, full of excuses and justifications as to why we cannot fight as our founding fathers fought. In that clip, Benjamin Martin makes it clear, quote, Am I willing to go to war? The answer is no, unquote. In history, every avenue of the court, which back then was the King of England, had been exhausted. Benjamin Martin said something that had struck me in this movie, and he said, quote, Mark my words. This will be fought, not on the frontier or on some distant battlefield, but amongst us, amongst our homes. Our children will learn of it with their own eyes, and the innocent will die with the rest of us. Unquote. War is hell. War is hell on the home front. Benjamin Martin did not want to fight again in a war. Then the war came to him. On his own land. At his own home. Murdering one of his sons and burning his home to the ground. Forcing him to take up arms. And fight back. So here we are, 245 years later, taxation without representation beyond anything 
that we could have ever imagined. And we're about to get worse. Governed by an elite group of people called the legislature that now has control over each of our lives, literally, almost in every sense. The collective they have gotten bigger. And we the people have gotten smaller. History is repeating itself. Only we sit behind our keyboards and write fancy words of what we are going to do if the collective they crosses a particular line. When they cross that line, we draw another line and continue to write eloquent words of patriotism and bravery until that line is crossed again and again until there are no more lines left to draw. It is time again to honor that oath that many of us swore to uphold the Constitution against enemies, both foreign and domestic, to honor those that have fought and died for that oath, for those that have fought and lived. We sit behind our keyboards and rant about how we are losing our independence. How many times do we talk about freedom and what we've already lost and what has already been stolen from us. We are patriots. Yet we are scared patriots. If we are not scared, then we are fools. Only now, when our nation needs us the most, are we stopping at mere words from a keyboard. The eloquence is long gone in those words. Is that the sort of men and women that we've become? We do not act upon the beliefs that we are so that we so strongly rant about while hiding behind our keyboards. I know that many of us strongly Believe what we say. Now is the time to stop texting, stop talking, and start doing something. Now I've already been threatened by someone calling himself a patriot for the left because I'm speaking the truth. Did you know he wants to chop me up into little pieces? I say, it would be an honor to meet this person that claims to be a man. This is why our side is losing people. We're so busy being butthurt over words that we cannot see the forest through the trees. Get off of your butt hurt ass and start training. Train the best that you know how. Find a group of like-minded individuals and train with them. Train in survival. Train to thrive so that you can stay alive when the time comes. Stop with the infighting and bullying tactics. You will not survive because you are not ready. <laughs> Kate, I have guns with bullets. I do not know if I should be impressed or depressed with that. Your gun is of no value if you do not know how to use it. One of the definitions of a patriot is a person who vigorously supports their country 
and is prepared to defend it against enemies and detractors. Talk is just mere words. Text is just words. Let me tell you a little bit more about what is going on in our nation. Since the FBI cannot be counted on to tell us anything that we can trust, we've had to piece together some facts about the Nashville Christmas bombing from other accounts. And what we found is disturbing. It looks as though the best way to find out how the Nashville bomber investigation is progressing is to go to the locals. According to the Tennessean newspaper, there were red flags concerning the late Anthony Quinn Warner, the mystery man who apparently blew himself up in downtown Nashville near the AT&T building. His girlfriend said that officers went to his house 16 months prior to blowing up his RV after she had called the cops to her house and reported that he had been building bombs inside of that vehicle. But then the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation has said that Warner was, quote, not on their radar, unquote. But as it turns out, there is a Metro Nashville Police Department report on Warner from August 21st, 2019, revealing that both local and federal authorities were aware of him as a potential threat. Nashville police had forwarded their report to the FBI along with Warner's identifying information so that they could check their databases, which is routine. The FBI did check, and later that day they called back to say that they'd found no records on Warner. The ATF reportedly checked as well, and they found no There was that aforementioned report. So you'd think that he should have been on somebody's radar, right? According to a neighbor, a Mr. Lodz, he allegedly, he was a neighbor to the alleged suicide bomber, Anthony Quinn Warner. He said a few days before Christmas that Warner had said that the world was, quote, never going to forget me, unquote. On December 21st, Rick Laud saw Warner standing by his mailbox and pulled his car over to ask him how his elderly mother was doing. Now, let me stop right there. If this man was so terrible, why would his neighbor pull his car over just to chat with him? One would think that if someone was that terrible of a person and nobody seemed to like him, which has been proven false, that the neighbor would not just pull over and ask him about his elderly ill mother. Warner had allegedly told Lodz Quote, I am going to be famous. Nashville and the world is never going to forget me. Unquote. Well, Lodz, a commercial truck driver, didn't think anything about this at the time. He just assumed Warner just meant something good would happen to him on Christmas. 
He said that he was speechless later on when he'd heard on the news that Warner was suspected in the downtown bombing. Now, here's where everything in the narrative gets interesting. The FBI has no reason as to why Warner would make a bomb and blow himself up in buildings. So they began to build their own narrative. Out of the blue, the FBI claims that, quote, a source close to the investigation, unquote. Well, there's that phrase again. They said that, quote, among several tips and angles, agents are investigating whether Warner might have been acting on paranoia about 5G being used to spy on Americans, unquote. Where they got that idea that he was paranoid about 5G, nobody seems to know. Not his girlfriend, not his mother, not his friends, not his employer who hired him as an IT guy. Huh. Kind of makes you think, doesn't it? There were reports as early as the day after Christmas that the FBI was already focusing on the 5G paranoia hypothesis. The Guardian story describes this as a conspiracy theory about deep state government spying linked to right-wing cult movement QAnon. So get ready for the narrative that Warner was a crazed right-winger. Fox News reported on Tuesday night that investigators had worked through the bomb site so quickly that they had already turned over half of the area to city crews who, in addition to doing the cleanup, are checking structural integrity of about 40 billion buildings near the blast, which pretty much took up a good city block. But even the latest report said that the motive is still elusive. Quote, he did not leave behind a clear digital footprints or any other obvious clues, unquote, said Fox News. If Warner wanted to be remembered or be famous for anything to why he allegedly did this, Specifically, if he was so paranoid about 5G technology, why did he not leave everybody an unmistakable warning about what it is the 5G was doing to people? Oh, I'd forgotten. Silly me. The FBI has just not found the manifesto yet. It's hidden somewhere in the RV. Fully intact. No smudges. No ash. Oh. (laughs) For those who are going to misconstrue my words, that is what we call sarcasm. The New York Times reports that Warner gave an ex-girlfriend Two homes, one valued at over $160,000, and a car just before Thanksgiving, having told her that he was dying of cancer. This has not been confirmed yet. So it's not clear if he was really dying or thought that he had nothing to lose or just a cover story. The speculation on the motive of Warner is centering on him 
being a 5G network conspiracy theorist, even though so far the reported evidence for that is conflicting. One out that he expected to be hailed as a hero for taking out the AT&T network. But the man who employed Warner as an IT worker said that Warner never expressed any paranoia about 5G. Politically biased media outlets are trying to paint him as a dangerous, paranoid redneck as a way to tar all middle American Trump supporters. So they are already depicting any suspicions of 5G as paranoid conspiracy theories. This is misleading because there are several unrelated concerns about 5G. Another 5G concern is that it will be used to spy on Americans. And I find it interesting that liberal media outlets are mocking that as a paranoid conspiracy theory when there is actually solid evidence that at least one form is a clear spying danger, and that is the 5G tech developed and marketed by China. (laughs) Gee, shock. The Trump administration, in a little noticed action, created a clean network initiative to reject Chinese 5G companies such as, I'm going to butcher this, Huawei and ZTI because of what the United States State Department describes as, quote, the long-term threat to data privacy, security, human rights, and principled collaboration to the free world from authoritarian maligned actors. Operating 5G network allows a company incredible access to users' data. And meanwhile, Chinese citizens and companies are legally required to turn over any information to the communist government upon request. And I do not think that you have to be mentally unstable to have a problem with that here in America. The Trump push to encourage and support nations that stand up to China's bullying and shun their 5G technology may have been ignored by the media. But it has been a rousing success with dozens of nations joining the Clean Network Initiative. That includes Japan, Israel, Australia, Singapore, Taiwan, Canada, New Zealand, and India, as well as 26 of the 27 EU nations. I guess they've heard the old saying that just because you're paranoid does not mean that they're really not out to get you. And the millennials who voted for Joe Biden, thinking that he would issue an executive order to forgive their student loan debt, might want to sit down for this one. He lied. I know, that's hard to believe. But creepy Joe Biden lied in describing actions he plans to take by executive order. Biden admitted that some things would be unconstitutional. For instance, he said just after opening a fake office of the president-elect, which should have been your first clue right there, he said, I quote, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. For example, it's arguable that the president may have the executive power to forgive up to $50,000 in student debt. 
Well, I think that's pretty questionable. I'm sure of that. And I'd be unlikely to do that. Unquote. So anyone who voted for Creepy Joe, thinking that it would result in Uncle Sugar paying off their college loan debt, may be poised to learn a very hard lesson. Never vote for anyone who promises you free money taken from other people. It might be a crushing disappointment, but is still a far more valuable life lesson than anything that they could have learned in their gender study classes. The Pennsylvania Department of State responded to a claim by Republican legislatures that there were over 200,000 more votes cast than there were voters, according to state records. Researcher John Lott, who was hired by the DOJ in October as Senior Advisor for Research and Statistics, has completed a study of the November election that concludes, quote, Biden's win was tipped by as many as 368,000 excess votes in six key swing states, unquote. An article from News and Politics has a good summary of Lott's methodology and conclusions. He notes that voter fraud takes many forms, and he finds it suspicious that Trump's absentee ballot count was depressed only in counties where vote fraud is suspected. For instance, there was a drop in 7.81% in Trump's absentee vote in Fulton County, Georgia, even though the in-person vote ratios were similar to adjoining precincts. The study notes that Lott is, quote, considered a controversial figure by the left-wing media because he defends the Second Amendment, with studies showing that crime is lower in places where law-abiding citizens are allowed to have guns, unquote. Wow, gee, suck. I'm going to insert something here that I said in one of my first broadcasts. If we destroy all of the traditions and the history that came before us, we lose the dignity in the present. Everything is going to be destroyed under a Biden administration. You cannot possibly remove the foundations of a building without the entire structure falling upon itself. And here we are watching it play out. I'd love to say that I have the answers, but I do not. We have this war against anything that is good in the past. And everything is being rewritten and dismissed in the name of progress. The leftism ideology is destroying our way of life, our history, our constitution, our nation. If we cannot see it clearly for what it is and hold on to the values that can anchor us, which is God, family, culture, doing what is right, to help the helpless when the mobs converge being bold and being protectors then we deserve what we get the ideology that is poisoning the well is spreading and growing and is a philosophy of death so let me tell you what we will lose if Biden is sworn into our White House. 
we lose our right to own our own firearms. We lose everything that we fought for in the military. We lose our constitution. We lose our nation. And we ultimately lose our lives. Kate, I'm tired of hearing this, and you're preaching to the choir. Then the choir needs to start singing. There is talk of the Great Reset. They call it the Great Reset of Capitalism in the World. The world leaders are claiming that although the COVID-19 lockdowns may be gradually easing anxiety about the world's social and economic prospects is only intensifying. They claim that there's good reason to worry. They say that a sharp economic downturn has already begun and we could be facing the worst depression since the 1930s. But while this outcome is likely, it is not unavoidable. To achieve a better outcome, they claim that the world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our society and economies, from education to social contracts to working conditions. They claim that every country from the United States to China must participate in every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. In short, that they say we need a great reset of capitalism. This is what a Biden administration will do to our country. We know that human trafficking and not just sex trafficking, trafficking, but slave trafficking as well, will be the new normal, and pedophilia will be accepted. We are almost already there, people. It is factual knowledge that the Biden crime family endorses such behavior. They will make it all legal, and they frequently partake in these crimes. History is being rewritten. Our Constitution will be destroyed. Lives lost in past wars will be in vain. The demons that chase those of us that have survived wars cannot be ditched or forgotten because those demons chase us. While some of those demons catch us, and those that cannot fight off those demons end their own lives. Innocence is lost in our children. Lives will be ruined, lost, and destroyed. And the next victim will be you. Martin Niemöller from 1892 to 1984 was a prominent Lutheran pastor in Germany. He emerged as an outspoken public foe of Adolf Hitler and spent the last seven years of the Nazi rule in concentration camps. He is best probably remembered for his post-war words. Quote, For they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. They came for the trade unionist and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. 
then they came for me. And there was no left, no one left to speak for me. Unquote. When they come for you, when they come for your family, and you lose a son, you lose your daughter, or you lose your spouse, will you fight back then? Or will it be too late? Nothing will replace your son or your daughter or your spouse. The sting of pain will be unbearable. How can you justify their sacrifice? How can you justify their loss? By sitting behind that keyboard and talking about your patriotism? You scream out, why? Why do men feel that they can justify death? Is it arrogance? Or do we fear that our sins of the past will return to visit us? And the cost is more than you can bear because you did not speak out. We have a chance, people. It's not too late. We can not only win the battles, but we can win the war if we just band together. Stop the infighting and work together as a team. Oh, but Kate, I do not matter. I'm too old. I am worn out. I do not have what it takes anymore. I am ill. I have no strength left. Or whatever justification or excuse that you want to give, then you deserve what you get. And you will want to ride on the shirt tails of those of us that do band together. Or you will hide in your basement or your living room behind your keyboard, continuing with your empty words of patriotism, soothing your soul through those words, vilifying and condemning those who are actually fighting to make yourself feel better because you are not out there fighting as well. We all have victories. We all have losses in our lives. And they are shared by more than you know. This is what I can tell you. Stay the course. Hold on to what you know. Teach others. Be willing to learn from others. You know, being a know-it-all will get you nowhere. Humble yourself to that youngster that just might know something that you do not know. But Kate, I've run my course. I have finished my race. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm old. And I'm scared. You know what? So am I. But I was taught by my grandfather who fought in multiple wars that your word is your bond and you swore an oath. The oath does not say I will protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, both foreign and domestic, only when I am young and able 
I am older. I am also tired. I want to be done. And I am scared. And I have run my race. Yet I have not made it to the finish line yet. And I am willing to band together. And do what is needed to take this nation back. For we, the people. Our sons are worth fighting for. Our daughters are worth fighting for. Our grandchildren are worth fighting for. Our future is worth fighting for. Those who fought and died for our constitution and freedoms are worth dying for, fighting for. Those who fought and lived and have come home with missing limbs and missing souls are worth fighting for. You and I have one fight left in us, and now is the time to fight back. Let me repeat myself from earlier in this broadcast. We are at war. This is not a war for one or two states. This is a war for our nation as a whole, as it was back in the 1770s, in our fight for our freedom, in the first Revolutionary War. History is repeating itself. Only we now live in a country of cowards full of excuses and justifications as to why we cannot fight as our founding fathers fought. In that clip, Benjamin Martin makes it clear. Am I willing to go to war? The answer is no. He was not willing to go to war, but he was forced into war through the treachery of the opposition. War is hell. War is hell on the home front. Martin did not want to fight again in a war. Then the war came to him. On his own land. At his own home. Killing one of his sons and burning his home to the ground. Forcing him to take up arms. And fight back. So here we are. 245 years later. Taxation without representation beyond anything that we've ever imagined. And it is about to get worse. Governed by an elite group of people called the legislature. That is how they are controlling our lives, literally, almost in every sense. They've gotten bigger. And we, the people, have gotten smaller. It's time again to honor that oath that many of us swore to. To uphold the Constitution against enemies, both foreign and domestic. To honor those that have fought and died for that oath. For those who have fought and lived. We sit behind our keyboards and rant about how we're losing our independence. How many times do we talk about freedom and what we've already lost and what was already stolen from us? We are patriots and we are scared patriots. And if we weren't scared, then we are fools. Only now, when our nation needs us the most, are we stopping at mere words? The eloquence is long gone in those words. Is that the sort of men and women that we've become? We do not act upon the beliefs that we so strongly rant about while hiding behind our keyboards. And I know that many of us strongly believe what we say. And now is the time to stop texting and stop talking. It's time to start doing. And to the man who threatened to chop me up into little pieces because I do not know what I am talking about, come, train with me. Allow me to learn from your vast experience as a warrior and prove me wrong. And thank you 
for showing me that I'm here. I am just a mere human and not invincible. And your words are duly noted. Our nation, our families are facing attacks from every front, from enemies, both foreign and domestic. Open your eyes. Look around you at what is happening. They are coming for you next. What will 2021 bring for you? Happy New Year, everyone. This ends the broadcast for me tonight. Train hard, train smart to survive, thrive, and stay alive. This is Kate, signing off until next time.